0: you're listening to the whole vineyard podcast to find out more about the whole vineyard church go to Hallvineyard.co.uk. well good evening again and welcome john
1: thank you very do we do we feel low here does he look low okay no for next time <laughs> Tonight is going to be
0: slightly different to what we're normally used to. Um, if you're new here, we don't often have these uh, these stools on stage. Uh, it's often a talk. But what we wanted to do really is um, we're spending these three weeks unpacking the vision that, you know, John and Joni are, um, are kind of communicating their heart, what the Lord is saying to our church in this season. And. Um, the morning service John shared brilliantly this morning, and we've filmed that and if you've missed that, I would say the best thing you can do this week is go away, catch up, listen to it, and I think it will fill in some of the blanks we're not going to just repeat what was said this morning, but what we wanted to do this even, this evening is really kind of dive into uh, some of the details and the heart behind some of the stuff you shared the reality is we don't have enough time, even over three weeks, to unpack the fullness of kind of what God's, what God's saying. So this is designed really to be a conversation people are listening in on, um, and I'm sure, I really hope, it will be helpful and beneficial. So that is the plan, and um, I'm excited. It's gonna, are you excited, John? Very, yeah. Okay, great. Very, <laughs> <There I> am. <laughs> so, John, one of the things I love about you is that you live... You are a visionary. You live in the future. You've got a house in the future, and you're living there, and you are, um, you are present here, but you're always looking forward to what God is doing now, but also what God is gonna do. So would you briefly just kind of talk a little bit about what vision is? For those people that may be new to church, new to our community, not really heard the language of vision before, um, what is vision? Why is it so important and what's the big idea behind the vision series, which we have called building a home for Hull?
1: Yeah, didn't know it was on the script, but yeah. So <laughs> like for me, vision is, is, is essentially is the why. Mm-hmm. It's why we do what we do. It's the reason we get up in the morning. It's, um, I suppose it's a picture of a preferred future. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you ever made the link, you know, Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount talks about, you know, blessed are those who mourn. Mm. And I believe that visionaries are people who, first and foremost, they mourn for what is currently happening, and they want to see something better. Yeah. And, um, and so, of course, we talk about desire and vision and what's on your heart and gifting and all these things, but actually, vision is really what you complain about so if if there's something that's burning in your heart that is maybe it's like an injustice that you see and it's like a complaint uh vision is essentially seeing that but then vision without a plan or vision without action is just just vision Mm -hmm. it's just being a dreamer yeah and that's great that's part of the solution but um I think James talks about faith and action, faith and deeds, and without action we can't really show that we have faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, I think a big thing for me, and I alluded to this this morning, is a lot of church pastors, leaders, and churches indeed have a lot of vision, mm-hmm. but it kind of gets into a virtual reality church, mm-hmm. virtual reality evangelism, uh, virtual reality, helping the marginalized, virtual reality, prayer, all because we maybe tap each other on the the back or we sing about things, we pray about things, we presume things Mm. have been done. But I'm more interested in culture Mm. because I think vision, when it's got a hold of by the people, it translates and transfers into culture, and culture is the thing that you feel and you sense and you encounter and you experience. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's really important. That's kind of my my measuring stick: yeah. Are people getting this? Yeah. Is it being translated into a reality mm-hmm. to authentic living and discipleship? Is grounded in the life of the church and is being felt in in the city? Yeah. But essentially, a vision is, I suppose, is the why we do mm-hmm. what we do.
0: The reality is, for for just struck me. You guys here in the room, you will have a vision for your own life. Um, did anyone have like a dream job when they were a kid? No. <laughs> just me then, footballer <laughs> for Manchester United. They love you, mate. Yeah, they love me. <laughs> Number ten. Um, anyway, you'll have all have had a dream for your, your life. Maybe something you want to do after university, or something you want to accomplish with family, or go travelling, or whatever. I guess the series is really trying to explore what's God's dream for our church? What's God's dream for our community, for our lives individually? What kind of, not just what we want to do, but what kind of people does he want us to become so that then we can go and change the world, change our city? Um, And so I think it's so important to almost kind of frame it in that context. What's God saying to our church?
1: I think one of the primary scriptures for vision is Isaiah. Six and it's first and foremost a vision of of the Lord, yeah. and then when you see God, you can guarantee that God's seeing you. Yeah. And then He's undone when He sees God, which we are. And when you're undone, you're left in a place of actually all the other ambitions are, are vain; yeah. that they really matter, they're not of um, kingdom eternal value. Yeah. And in that in that moment, you know Isaiah is is sent, called and sent. And so I think for every single person, there has to be that moment or series of moments or a journey where that happens. Yeah. Um, whether they know that they know that they know that God has called them yeah. and has put this in them. Otherwise, it's really easy to quit yeah. when the going gets tough.
0: Yeah. So building a home for whole. Um, just unpack a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so for those of you who knew among us um Jenny and I we we uh, became leads of the church in January 2020 just before covid hit and um, god spoke to us prophetically just uh, probably over 18 month period before that um and we'll talk more about that on the uh, the homecoming mm. night but um oh, our talks probably online i think and under the vision stuff so about building a home for Hull, about um, this idea of home. It's gonna be really, really important. What was interesting and helpful is that we start doing church from home (laughs) during COVID, which kind of was um, a happy coincidence, a God incidence maybe. And so, um, yeah, I think home for us, for Jenny and I, is really important, the idea of family, belonging. We want everybody to first and foremost find home in God,
0: We've got a we've got a, a, a graph, haven't we? No, what's it called? It's not a graph.
1: It's a, di- it's a diagram. Di- okay. Yes, I've been told I use the word graph this morning. I do apologise. We're not mathematicians. Yeah, I'm definitely not. Ed's...
0: Tim, do you want to get that up? Because I think it was... Well, yeah, there we go. Yeah,
1: Isn't that it's beautiful? A, it's a simple image.
0: Yeah, it's not a graph really, is it? When I when I think about
1: it. Can I just say I think Ed's done an amazing job. Can we give a round of applause for yeah, Ed? Ed has. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I, I think he's, he's really raised his game, hasn't he? Nice. When he started out, he used clip art. <laughs> clip art. Does that still exist? Most
0: people won't know what clip
1: art is. All right, I'll show my age then. <laughs> um, I've lost my train of thought. So, um, yeah, so this idea of home, and first and foremost, you know, God is home, and there's a lot of language in the Bible about that. But I, this, the, I love the story of the prodigal son and mm. the idea of, 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 of yeah, us running towards god running towards home and god running after us and yeah and that's that's what we want for our lives but we want to invite people into that who don't know jesus yeah and um and you want to do that in the context of church and church is a family it's about belonging yeah it's about there's a place for everyone um And so, whosoever may come, that's the heart of Jesus. Um,
0: And just on that, I think the the fascinating thing about the culture we live in today is that we are more technologically connected than ever before, and yet more isolated than ever. There's like a loneliness epidemic, and so part of this idea of church being home is a, a community, a family, where people can come and feel, for the first time ever, maybe like, I am loved unconditionally, Regardless of my past, and yeah. welcomed him, adopted brothers and sisters, I can be real, authentically me. Mm. And um, when you encounter that, it's completely life changing. Yeah.
1: And even even today or in the last few days, we've heard people make that, even this morning, we've made yeah. that comment they've come here yeah. and there's a sense of home. And I, I think historically, the idea of home, uh, I mean, certainly for Joni and I, this came about. I, I was uh, in the Anglican Church for many years, and I found faith uh, in the Anglican Church. And then uh, I was part of a conservative evangelical church, and then I was part of a Pentecostal church. Mm. And when I found Vineyard, we talk about the Vineyard in terms of taking the best and run. It's the radical middle, mm. uh, it's historically been known as. I kind of felt like I was home. It, it was almost, and it's so consumer orientated, but it's like, I really loved. I really love the worship in that, and I really love their devotion to the Word in that church. I really love this and I really love that, but I really did feel like at home. And and we've taught historically, um, and I think this is true for for some of us, is that when they come here, maybe even from another church, um, they may feel like this is home. Or likewise, if people leave here and go to another church, they may feel like that's home. But uh, I think that's quite a renewal mentality, and it's something I, I don't really want us to pursue going forward. I think for me, it's like, you know, 300 plus thousand people in this city couldn't care less about the history of the vineyard or yeah. <laughs> renewal theology or anything like that. Or, you know, they, they have no Christian mental furniture. Mm. They have no concept yeah. of who Jesus is. And so for me, when we talk about people finding home, it is first and foremost in Jesus. Yeah hearing the gospel, coming to faith, being discipled, finding their identity in Him, finding a home, a place of belonging. Mm. Maybe they've ne- never ever felt like they belonged, mm. but they can in church yeah. and among us because that's what we do. We love yeah. people. We yeah. love our enemies. Mm. And so, um, yeah, that's, I think, a, a big desire of ours. And um, and then, if we go back to the the clip art, is yeah, Hull and Beyond. And I think that's important because you can't have the first two without doing the Great Commission. It's about mission, it's about evangelism. I I think if you cut us down the middle, both you and I are evangelists Mm -hmm. at heart, aren't we? So we're always going to have the lens of more reaching new people, you know, people don't know Jesus. Um, and so we want to create entry points, I suppose, in the city geographically, yeah. in terms of people groups, in terms of ministry, where people can hear the good news of Jesus. And we say Hull and beyond because we have people come from outside what's called Hull, but we, we have a real heart for kind of for the region mm. and, and the north, particularly. I'm not, I'm not saying the south isn't important, yeah. but, you know coming from west yorkshire we don't go south much um so yeah that's church Excellent. planting we'll sell all these things which we'll talk about next yeah weeks. we're going
0: to unpack a lot of this stuff now one of the things that john john um spoke about this morning were 10 things that we sense the lord is speaking to us as a church community 10 things that god is doing among us and so I don't know how, long, how much longer we've got, um, but for the next maybe three or four hours, we, I thought, no, just joking. Um, before we worship again, we're going to start just going through that list yeah. and, and unpacking them. Again, if you missed the talk from this morning, go away and watch it. It kind of fills a lot of the blanks in. But there's a number of things that you shared that God is doing in our church, that God is marking us for, mm. almost kind of, yeah, things that he is calling us into, calling out of us. Um, and the first one you, you spoke about, compassion and power. Hmm. As a church, we feel like look, God has marked us uh, by compassion and power. Um, why don't we just chat about this for a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I could. I could compassion is so on my heart. We'll talk about it for days. Yeah. Um, kind of. What, what do you? What comes to mind when you? What do you see the Lord doing in those areas?
1: Yeah, so I suppose these ten things are kind of like they're my best attempt at trying to communicate what a sense Jesus wants to say to the church. And I think it's stuff that you is is discernible as you look at the church. It's things that you'll go, Oh right, yeah. I, I see that, I recognize that upon us, but it's also stuff that we may be about to lean into. Um So it's it's our best attempt um, at doing that. I think when uh, when I moved to Hull um, for university, um, I uh, I had a strange encounter once. I was going down Newland Avenue and um, there was a guy walking down Newland Avenue and I just really felt I wanted to talk to him about Jesus. So I said, excuse me, can I have a, few minutes and uh, he just ignored me, carried on walking and I tried again and again and went the whole length of Newland Avenue, it was a bit weird and um, and he just carried on and, and I bumped into a, a friend of mine who's actually a vicar now in um, the Liverpool area in fact he had J. John at his church today which was quite good. I love J. John yeah, yeah we should have got in there mm. and um, he uh, he saw me uh, because what happened is is this guy completely gone, he carried on walking to the university and I just stood at the the top of Newland Avenue, I wept because right in that moment I felt like the Lord was um, giving me a, a bit more of his heart about people who are, are lost, don't know where they're going, and just walk their own way uh, turn their own way, it's talked about in Isaiah 53 I saw my friend, he's Christian and he brought to me, he's just prophesied over me, and a lot of what this was 20 years ago so a lot of what we're seeing now is actually prophetic words that have come about from those pro- from that prophecy and he went on and on and on and, and uh, this guy's always had in fact he texted me last week with an unbelievable poignant prophecy I'm like it's just amazing I, I love all that stuff and um, yeah I, I think in that moment one of the things that God prophetically spoke to me about is that I want to say my ministry. That's not what I mean. I think it's a collective we. It's a, it's the collective pronoun. It's uh, whatever ministry I was involved in the future will be marked by compassion and power. I think those two things are, are seen in the ministry of Jesus. There was a depth of it wasn't empathy. Empathy is where you feel for someone. Compassion has to act. So you know about the mercy of God and, it, and it, I think it really starts in a place of, of prayer and it really starts in a place of, 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 of tears as well. Um, one of the things I used to do is I used to go around and pray for people to have the gift of tears. I don't know how theological it is, but I'm, I'm, I'm up, still up for doing it if people want the gift of tears. And, uh, but I think that's something that in the private places is something that is important to me, that God gives the church his heart. Which is for the broken, for the lost, for the marginalized, um, for those who don't know him. And I think unless you... Have, and Paul had that revelation in, his, in Acts 17. You know, he, he, he felt. He, you know, he felt. He saw that people were worshipping foreign gods. And that caused us a, a sense of despair in them. There's like a, a yearning, a jealousy. Um, and so I think compassion is is something we see in the life of Jesus uh, in incredible ways. And uh, But it must come with also the power of the Holy Spirit. Because we, we, by ourselves, we can't do anything. We must have the, the boldness and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Um, and so for me... Um, I really sensed that we were being marked by compassion in a new way, an accelerated way a couple of years ago. I talked about when we transitioned, say the church is that we were going to focus on evolution, not revolution. But there was one thing we wanted to bring revolution because we felt the Lord tell us to do it very quickly. And that was to expand the compassion stuff. And so we we went to town on that very quickly and uh, started to move the pieces that were. Around and but I but I felt particularly on our sabbatical that the Lord was bringing back uh, a new sense of power among us, and uh, I mean that's really been the I think the testimony you've shared, Josh, while we were off, is that there was a kind of like the dial had, had gone up. And for me, it's great in the church is where we get to practice the stuff, but what it's all about is is on the streets, and um, and I think that's often the gifts of the Holy Spirit has been used just a couple of quick examples um we were going through saint stephen's and there was a guy there working for scottish power doing the advertising which trying to get all the quotes we can at the moment with gas electricity and um i just felt like law say ask him ask him um his address so what's your address and he said i've just moved to a street called Marlborough avenue which is where we live and uh, I said, right, well, God just told me to ask you that question. I'm a Christian, believe God speaks today. And we're now your neighbors. And so all the best. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and just weird stuff happens. I was encouraged getting a new dishwasher broke and you're like, oh, spiritual warfare, uh, especially with four kids. And, um, and I don't do any washing up, but anyway kids do it all um and i went to uh, curry's and uh, i said i need dishwasher spoke to this lady and um she uh she said i can't get your dishwasher for some time there's loads of there's a long delay on all the ones i, I wanted and um she said anyway i said well i have to wait then um how much did it come to and she said it was it was including this installation 333 pounds and I've told this i won't tell the story again but the number three is very special journey for a number of reasons and so uh i said well that, that's interesting i said try your computer again and she said okay i tried it again and she said oh a delivery slot's just come up in 48 hours on monday morning which is when we needed it and uh she said that's never ever happened to me and i said um okay what's well, weird i'm a christian and uh, that number's very special to me, and let me tell you why. I told her the story. And they're just silly examples, but the prophetic and the presence, oh, we love it, but it's for people out there. And that's, what that's our heart's desire. So compassion and power, I think, is an awesome combination. And I think we're marked for it in this season. I think we're going to only see an increase in it yeah
0: i think just to kind of throw in some thoughts um the lord spoke to us when when people think about compassion compassion they often think about doing things for people giving things to people um the lord spoke very clearly that there's a difference between charity and compassion i think you've unpacked it well john but charity is about giving something to people. And if that's really important, like part of what we do with the the, the Food Hampers is um, and, and Grow Baby is about meeting an immediate need, something that will help people in the moment. But actually our vision for compassion, what the Lord is leading us into, goes way beyond just meeting an immediate need. And when you see the ministry of Jesus, particularly with how he interacted with people that were sick, that were um, in poverty, What Jesus did, and often they were in poverty because of their sickness, the lame guy at the gate um, was begging because he was of no value to society, he couldn't work. Uh, And so what Jesus did was he, it was like compassion for Jesus was, was a whole life restoration. It was not just about giving someone, meeting a need in a moment, although he did that. went beyond that it was actually about restoring their humanity and restoring their dignity and inviting people to experience life and life to the full and so for us there's a there's a massive difference we've got a load of ministries um cma which helps people get free from debt uh, grow baby food bank, the table, um, we're launching a budgeting ministry, we're going to talk a little bit next week I think about all the different things that we're going to be doing but there's a lot um, and this is really our compassion stuff is about like too, too many Christians, too many churches um, stay at a distance from people that are broken and when you see Jesus, he invited them into his life. I think that's the difference, that's what compassion is. We want to be a church, we want to be a community that that rolls up our sleeves and, and steps into people's pain and into people's mess and loves them radically. And I, and I just think that's the heart and, of God.
1: And that's the Luke 4 mandate. Yeah. And that's our manifesto as the, as the church. And that's where you get to see the Holy Spirit do the stuff. Yeah. Uh, in incredible ways.
0: We're it's hearing amongst- stories this, I think I'll mention this, um... We're having, like, witches come to our soup kitchen, you know, and, and encountering the power and presence of Jesus. Mm. Um, people getting saved at our soup kitchen. actually, I think when that's where Jesus is. Someone said the other day, I, I'm going to butcher this quote, but it's like, if you want to know where Jesus is he, is, he is with the broken and the marginalized. Um, go, if you want to find Jesus, go and hang out with those people because that's where Jesus is. Um, and then just on the power thing, I saw an amazing quote which I want to read out from Mike Pilavacci, um, which I found super helpful about the power and God, power and presence of Jesus. So often we, when we talk about the power of God, we talk about, um, you know, God doing something for us, and like God, I, I want you to, I need, I need this. Can you do it? Maybe it's healing, or maybe it's miraculous provision, or breakthrough, or or whatever it might be. Um, but Mike Pilip actually makes a brilliant point that actually before, in order to pursue the power, we need to be people of the presence. And he, and he says this, when we talk about seeking God's presence, we simply mean that we're seeking to be in a close relationship with Jesus. Our goal should be relationship with Jesus, not power from Jesus I love that. Christianity isn't complicated. It's not about rules. It's an invitation to have a relationship with God. God's power is never something he sends to us from a distance. Miracles are not like parcels from Amazon arriving totally disconnected from the sender. The power of God is not separated from his presence. If you're standing next to a fire, you know you'll become warm. If you jump into a pool, you know you'll become wet. In the same way, if you're close to Jesus, his power will be present. And I just think it's a, it's, it's a stunning reminder. I read that the other day that we are longing to see the more, man, more of the manifest power of God. I mean, Dennis shared a story um, this morning of just stepping out in faith at work, praying for a colleague. His colleague getting up his back and his knee that had been struggling for a long time miraculously healed. And that night, he had the first good night's sleep of the last six months because he's in pain. This guy doesn't come to church. And we want to see more of that. Actually, the key to compassion, the key to power is staying close to Jesus. Ministry time. Amen. <laughs> we got through the first one. We've got nine more to go. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're not going to do all nine. We'll do a couple. <laughs> do you want one more? Yeah. Should we see where we go? Um, oh, let's talk authenticity. Um, and you made a... a Brilliant point this morning that actually there's a it, it's there's authenticity. God is calling us to be an authentic church over a relevant church. Not that being relevant is bad because we need to connect with people in order to reach people, but actually there's something there's power in authenticity. What do you what do you mean by that?
1: It's one of those things which should be a given. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you want me to stay in the obvious? Yeah. Uh, you're a follower of Jesus and you're in a church. Yeah, you're authentic. Mm. But sadly, it's just not the case. And um, I don't know why. I don't know if it's um, religion has got in the way of legalism, mm. but um, I think all of us to some degree wear, wear masks mm. um, and we shouldn't, we should just be ourselves. And um, that's one of kind of like our values as a, as a church you know come as you are and, and and allow the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do yeah. and um, I think people, particularly this emerging generation, they're less impressed with relevancy, and they're more interested in seeing things that are real, mm. and that's what we want. we want the the gospel to have so. So come in, worked into our lives. This affected everything. Yeah. It's affected our relationships, mm. our marriages, how we raise our kids, our finances, how we, how we think about things, how we do work, time management, everything. Being a, a non-anxious presence in this world, all these things, um, being a people of hope in these times. And so we want the gospel so transformed us that people can see the reality of it. Yeah. And that means walking in weakness. It means walking in transparency. It's like saying, look, I don't have it all together. We're on a journey and we walk it together. And I think what, what we struggle with is um, sadly when, and it particularly happens in leaders because they're the visible people in the church yeah. And obviously and that means they're a big target as well for the enemy, but um, it is when there's like a, a duplicity, there's kind of like, is it an integrity issue? Yeah. The idea of integrity is, is this idea of oneness, yeah. but there's two different people, one in private, one in public, one on the platform. And this whole idea of, I think, um, I think the, the days have gone uh, of like that anointed person of God on the stage platform ministry, which I think has been peddled a lot by the charismatic movement. I, I think it's really unhealthy. Mm. So we believe in a plurality of leadership, empowering power and leadership, releasing leaders, um, strong accountability and transparency in that, mm. yeah. and um, asking the difficult questions. Mm. So I, th- I think that's why SENSE is kind of bringing us a, a, real, a reality to the church. And um, people can see other Christians, particularly in leaders, and think, "Okay, wow, um you live this and you struggle, mm. and that's okay. Yeah. And therefore, maybe I can be a bit honest with my stuff." Mm. And um, so, yeah, relevancy is important for sure. We need to connect with culture, mm. and the, the church constantly needs to ask that question of itself. Otherwise, you become a relic. Yeah. I am. Um you know, I spend a lot of time with the
0: emerging generation in kind of just discipleship and mentoring situations. And um, one of the things that comes up time and time and time again is this feeling of not being good enough. Not being good enough for God, not being just, you know, I'm just, I don't live up to the mark. And I'm sure there are people in this room that. Feel like that. I've certainly felt that for a long time, and and w- there's almost this level of perfection that we're trying to attain that it, we can't match up to that, and therefore um, God would never want to use me, and therefore I have to pretend to everyone else that I do match up to that. And uh, actually, when we read the Bible, there's like this invitation to to. Embrace brokenness, which is something we avoid because it, 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 it begins with the taking ownership of the fact that I do not have it all together. And I'm not sure what it is that we don't, we don't want to, to do that. There's that. We, we avoid weakness. We avoid vulnerability. One of the things that um, the Bible talks over and over and over about is confession, of s- confessing our sins to one another. And we ne- that is a practice that I think is being lost in yeah. the church. It says I think it says in James, like, confess your sins to God for forgiveness, but to one another for healing. But when you confess your sins, you're, you're sharing with someone else an authentic who you are and what you've done and how you've messed up. But God says that, that there's healing to be found in that place of authenticity. And if we're not doing that, we're a church that is not f- fully healed, which I find fascinating.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you look at historically the moves of, of the Holy Spirit, a lot of them you'll see, like in meetings like this and prayer meetings, you'll see uh, people standing up, confessing their sin. Mm. And um, we need to create an environment where that is absolutely the norm. Yeah. That's not unusual. That that is the norm. Mm. uh, Do you think
0: it's like a a rejection thing? Yeah, of course.
1: Well, uh, I was thinking about this. It's lots of things. It's shame. It's self-preservation. It's all all this stuff. But it's ultimately the the foundation of fear of God versus a fear of man issue. And so when you get to a place where you fear the Lord, Mm -hmm. and that's all that matters over the fear of man, which grips and paralyzes so many of us, then you don't care. Mm It's like, you know, as John Wimber talks about being a fool for Christ, you don't care about being a fool for Christ when, you, when you're more bothered about living for the audience of one.
0: Yeah.
1: And I think that's what it comes down to. And that comes from a place of brokenness. Yeah. When you've kind of reached the bottom. Yeah. And um, there's only one way up, <laughs> and that's yeah. Jesus. And um, uh, that level of brokenness is and repentance is, is how you really come into the kingdom. Yeah um people are coming to the kingdom saying i responded to a that jesus will make my life better yeah and so it's like an improvement of my lifestyle yeah. uh they're nowhere with the lord after yeah. a few years yeah
0: in in matthew 5 jesus talks um he does the sermon on the mount and he just these kind of beatitudes which are like blessed are these like the keys to the blessed life and um Charles Spurgeon, when he kind of was doing a commentary on these these things, he says they're like steps in order to, to step into the blessing of God and if, if our culture were to write that it'd be like, blessed are the popular like blessed are the beautiful, blessed are the rich blessed are the successful, And Jesus is opening one, which is like, here's how you get in blessed are the poor in spirit blessed are those that Just recognize I am a mess. And so, guys, if you want to feel better about yourself, come and talk to me. (laughs) And we want to create a a church where it is okay not to be okay. And it's okay to come to the front at the end and just be like, I have messed up or or something's happened and I'm just in a place of pain and brokenness. Um, That is the church that I think we can discover real healing.
1: Yeah. Should we do one final one then and do some ministry? Yeah. Just a quick one.
0: Okay, prayer. Okay, um, next one. Yeah, it's important. Yeah, pray. Multiplication. No?
1: Juicy ones, aren't they? Okay, yeah, I'll go for that
0: one. Uh, New over the old. returning, and restoring. Get the whole list up. Oh, yeah, go on then. In for a penny, in for a pound. In for a penny.
1: (laughs) Oh, some good ones there. Oh, let's just do. Um... I like number seven. All right, go on then.
0: I think God wants to redefine what success is. I wonder how you view the successful Christian life. Um, John, yeah, spoke about it this morning. But actually, um, I think the church has defined success incredibly badly. We're often preoccupied by numbers and um, gifting Uh, but when you read the Bible you discover that God's view of success is far more than that, someone said that I read recently um, of all the dozens and dozens of times the New Testament speaks of bearing fruit, not one of them is about numbers at all in church and I I, I mean I believe wholeheartedly that God is going to grow this community tenfold um, more but Actually, I think when we view success as um, doing better things for God, right? Doing, 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 um, it can be completely exhausting. And and, um, when Jesus spoke of success and you you shared it this morning from whatever passage you read, um, actually success looks a lot like faithfulness, perseverance, keeping going. We did that in our home group Revelation 2 this week. It's Jesus saying, "Well done," and um, yeah, calling to account some churches in Revelation. One of the things in Revelation 2 that the church of Smyrna was um, was what's the word? Jesus said, "Well done." For was that they stand firm and they're faithful. I just think it's it's profound. All of a sudden, this this the whole rat race and the ticking boxes, the religion thing goes because our job is simply. It's like we're married to Jesus. I want to try and stay faithful to him.
1: Yeah, that's really good. Well, you know, that's one of the markers of of Daniel. We looked at that, that we are a people of exile. And with that will come pressure and um, obscurity and hiddenness and uh, persecution. That's just par for the course. We will increasingly have that. And so in that, there's a there's a temptation to opt out, to uh, hide your light under a bowl. And um, yeah, and so in that there's like, in that pressure and testing and trial, it's like sifting. I think that's, if you say, what, what has the Lord done, allowed to happen in the last few years with everything? Um, it's a huge shaking of everything we've ever known. A huge sifting and um, that's happening in the church it's a refining process it's a purifying process um and so sadly um those who don't have the the foundations in the word um to have the anchor there's there's gonna be more temptation to not be faithful and so i think faithfulness for us is just hey look we may be feeling a certain way it's really tough but we're just going to hang in there. We're just not going to quit. We're just going to keep saying yes to Jesus, no matter how hard it is. Thank
0: you for listening to the Hall Vineyard podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church. Go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing thanks for listening
1: we hope to see you soon